All right, we're back with the second half of this episode. You gotta love crossover shows. Bama meets Hope. Let's go. Woo! You you know, you speak to what Christianity has done to other people. Like people, to to to, to Jewish people, to people in general. And it can seem, it's very dark. It is very dark. And one of my fears has always been that I'm doing Christianity wrong. Like I'm doing this wrong. And, um, you know, because you grow up in a Western culture, essentially we've bought into empire as, you know, um, you know, which, which let me see an easy way to explain that to people who are listening. Uh, can you explain that? What, what, what does it mean to buy into empire? To buy into empire is to buy into the narrative that it's about, uh, well, largely a, mm-hmm. a particular kind of power. So you're trying to coerce people, you're trying to force people, you're trying to um, uh, 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 I'm, I'm all of a sudden at a loss for words. Shalom is the self, it's self, pre- mm-hmm. empire is self-preservation. It looks at the fear and insecurity and says, mm-hmm. we can win. Because we have the upper hand. So empire is always about power dynamics and built. Empire is always built on the shoulders of something, usually a somebody. Um, And so that narrative really begins with Egypt. Like Pharaoh, uh, you can go all over Egypt and see it in all kinds of hieroglyphics. Pharaoh keeps us, Pharaoh is what Mm. maintains peace. So our answer for fear is mm-hmm. Pharaoh. Um, Pharaoh is, but but that comes at the expense of all the other nations that Pharaoh enslaves, eventually the biblical people, uh, the Israelites themselves. It's true for Babylon. It's true for Rome. I mean, Rome had a slogan, piety, war, oh, victory, peace. I'll tell you how peace comes, how we're going to deal with the fear. <laughs> we're going to win. And you can be on the winning side or you can be on the losing side. Now, if all of this is making us uncomfortable, yeah. it probably should. Because we are very clearly uh, a worldview in so many ways. And I say, I-, I need to start distinguishing that even more. Mm-hmm. I, as a white male, am very, very much a part of a conversation that stands on the shoulders of far mm-hmm. too much empire. I just sat at a dinner this Sunday night with a bunch of international students. And um, one of the folks that kind of opened the night prayed, and one of the things they prayed was... God, we don't deserve any of this. All this stuff that you've given us, thank you. You know, bless the food, all that kind of stuff. They, one of the internationals, we were having a time of Q and A, and one of these international students said, "Why did you say you didn't deserve?" And so it led to these wonderful conversations. They talked theologically about deserving, and there's a whole lot of Augustinian theology that went around the table um, about how <laughs> sinful and depraved we are, and a whole bunch of really good conversations. And then I said, if I could add one more layer to it. If there's one thing that I've I've started that language, I kind of like I grew up with it and then I rejected it because of all the theological baggage. But now I'm kind of reclaiming it on some level because what I'm learning is that all the like I've been told, because this international student was like, You guys are Americans, you worked really hard for all this stuff. And I said, Well, I mean, I do work hard, but my life is not the result of me just working hard. My life is built on the shoulders of all kinds of other people that 
used a system that was really built on the backs of so many other folks. Um, that's empire. Yeah. That's empire. And, and so now my security doesn't come from God. My security comes from a world that I've created and that we knew that growing up. Like I can start the story for most of my white middle-class evangelical. We all know what the story is. You got to get good grades in high school because mm-hmm. you got to go to college because mm-hmm. you got to get a, a job mm-hmm. that has benefits because in all those benefits, you mm. will find your security. <laughs> and Jesus somehow fits in there. And that was very, very clear. That's empire. That is, that is empire with a Jesus wow. sticker on the front of it. Um, because we're building our own sense of security. But the Bible, listen, your Bible, the reason why all this stuff is so important, and we try to be really gentle, and I don't usually do this on the podcast and everything I just did. That was pretty <laughs> But, um, like, this is so important because the Bi- that is totally foreign mm-hmm. to the world of the Bible. Like, I have a teacher friend of mine who loves to say, when the Bible says, some have, have chariots and some have horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God, we Americans are the ones with the mm-hmm. chariots and the horses. Like, without any debate, we are the ones with the chariots and the horses. And we trust in chariots and we trust in horses. And that, that is... For me in particular, as a white male, that, that ha- I have to hear that. And that's been, so that's empire. That is not, that is way more than you asked me for, Hugo. No, you might no, have to no, edit all that out. Empire, there you my go. My goodness. And imagine the thing, I was going to try to explain what empire was. Yeah, good call. <laughs> good call. So how, you know, and I wanted to speak about empire in terms of doing out of the fear of doing Christianity wrong, you know, obviously that fear of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm flawed. I'm this and that, but since we're here, how do you think American Christianity versus biblical Christianity measure up to each other? Yeah, largely what I just kind of ranted about They they're very, um, I don't want to say they're completely different things cause they, they have their moments and there's some really beautiful, like, uh, what you look for, you will find. And so if you want to find the good stuff, you'll, you'll see plenty of good stuff. Um, and there's been some beautiful things that have been done in the name of Jesus in this American mm-hmm. subculture that we're all a part of. Um, if you want to find bad stuff, you can find nothing but bad stuff, I promise. Um, so, so both those things are, are there. They're present. But uh, Walter Brueggemann has just had some man, some scathing teachings about American Christianity and, oh man, if I could remember his exact words, uh, militarized American Christian consumerism. There is a militarized, uh, a military Mm -hmm. industry complex. And he is speaking of military, but he's also speaking of like a world that is sustained by that kind of imperial power. Um, and so we have, and it, listen, if there's, and I, I will try not to rant on this question, I will try <laughs> but if there's, if there's anything we've learned in the last mm-hmm. handful of years, if there's anything that got the curtain got pulled back, um, and, and almost unashamedly 
what we saw with much of evangelicalism, and I, and I don't want to just, but if I could be even more precise, particularly white evangelicalism, we saw a very, um, and I'm saying this as a white person, so you, I appreciate so you it. don't have Thank to, you, you go, uh, 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 we, we are so in bed with political power for the sake of comfort, um, mm. power. Um, uh, mm. Yeah, just influence. Um, we, we, we built a world that worked for us, and we, we did it in the name of Jesus, and we did it in the name of Christianity, but really it was never really about, like Jesus and mm. Christianity was a tool that we used to build a world that made us not because we were all evil, not because there was all kinds of evil intentions for the most part, but because we were concerned with self and we built a world for self and that world is changing. Um, it's unsus and it's not changing because we gave up on Christian morals. It's not changing because it's changing because it was unsustainable. All empire is. You cannot sustain. This world is not built to, to run empire. It's like trying to run a gasoline car on diesel fuel. <laughs> it will not. Eventually, it will stop running, and it will break down on the side of the road. And this world we built was not kingdom-based. It wasn't built on shalom. It was running on empire, and it just it just can't sustain itself. So the mm. world is changing. Before our, the, the whole mm. earth groans. And and we are watching the earth herself, himself. I don't. I don't want to get even more about the pronouns I'm using. But the 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 whole earth groans because it's mm. built for shalom, and it will always pull towards shalom. And 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 so it's not. And so we're we are getting very, in large part. Uh, this whole same subculture is getting very, very uncomfortable that our comfort is starting. Our our norms are mm. no longer the norms. Um, the culture doesn't look like we want it to. Everything mm -hmm. isn't built for me. Uh, and and so there's this huge uprising to want to preserve something mm. that was mine. And none of that, none of like if we're following along, none of this mm. language sounds like Jesus. None of this language sounds like Christianity. None of this language sounds like it's because it's it's empire. Um, we're trying to preserve an empire, and we we thought it was a Christian empire. We thought we could do that. We thought we could put Jesus and mm. empire together, and it was okay. And it wasn't because empire and Jesus don't go together. Jesus is never about self-preservation. Jesus is always about self-sacrifice. He's always inviting us to lay our lives down on behalf of other people. Um, it's always focused on the other. It's never focused on self. Um, but I, I don't know how we ever are going to deconstruct that uh, without all kinds of. Usually, it takes pain, suffering, and exile. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but that's almost oh. always what it takes. Like God said, you need to go to Egypt so yes. I can get Egypt out of you. Like you need to go to Babylon so you can remember who you were. You, so I don't know how God gets this out of us because we ain't taking the invitations, <laughs> and He's He's offering wow. us many, um, but uh, but we're just doubling down on self preservation, and 
and that only I'm, and I'm no doomsday. I have no prophetic word. I'm just saying that's not sustainable. That only ends. You keep doubling down on self. That only ends in one place: Ooh. the loss of self. Jesus said, "If you try mm-hmm. to save your life, you lose it. You can lose your life and save it. Your choice." And we are trying to save our lives over and over and over and over again. So we will lose them, physically, metaphorically. Don't really know, but wow. we we will lose them. And that we is. I'll let you. I'll let everybody else decide Ooh. what the we. Means. Wow. Uh- Thank you for saying that, Marty, because I don't have to say anything. Uh, <laughs> I know Stephen has a question yeah. he wants to ask you. Yeah, uh, Marty, this has been um, <laughs> this has been already one of the most like wow interactions that I've had in a very long time, and I'm 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 sitting back uh, just just listening. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I could I could go a while on, on thanking you, um, <laughs> but I, I I think you something that that I that I found kind of this almost becomes I think the the second half to to what you what you just just answered. Um, but what I find really amazing about a lot of the content that I hear from you is that you're you're able to uh, present essentially like the 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 director's notes behind what we're reading in the Bible through a very specific, like, like Jewish lens. Um, and I guess even as you're describing this scenario of, of uh, the difference between the, the, the modern Christianity and, and, and the Bible, I guess, what are some standout things for you that you feel like, man, if modern Christianity could understand this Jewish concept, they would do Christianity better. Are there any like major standouts of these particular things that are very, very exclusively Jewish would make these people better Christians? It's a good question. And I think that's been a moving target throughout my, my journey. So I would wonder if I would even think something different five or 10 years from now, because I think five years ago, I would have said this and 10 years ago, it was like, Oh yeah, this. And I think actually the, Earlier in my journey, the more resolute I would have been and like, I know exactly what it is. And the farther I get into this journey, I'm more, I'm like, oh golly, there's just so much. Um, uh, man, when it comes to particularly the Jewish nature um, of reading, if we could somehow learn how to read a story looking for meaning, Rather than looking for um, explanation, uh, if we could somehow relate to the Bible as this mysterious invitation to a story that God is telling and a story he's inviting us to tell. One of the things the Talmud says, there's this line in the Talmud that's really ambiguously written in the in the Hebrew when it gets translated. It talks about you reading Talmud, but it also talks about Talmud yeah. reading you. But the Western world has just been built upon like we are going to master the text. We're going to systemize the crap out of it. We're going to theologize everything. We're going to figure out every last little nuance. It's so modern era driven. Um, like the way we used to approach science in the 20th century, like we approach the scripture that way. Like we're, we're going to figure it all out. Um, we're going to, rather than this living dynamic, we treat the text as static. I think that's, I think, I'm, I'm not prepared to answer this question. It's a really good question. I, 
I think there's something about static and dynamic that if we could figure out how to get our hands on that and dynamic, we don't like it because it's living, it's mysterious, it's it's bouncing, it's dynamic. It can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never ours to begin with. It was always the Holy Spirit's. It was always God's. Like it was never, we were never the owner of this thing, but we want it to be static yeah. so that we can own it, so we can explain it, so that we can control it, so that we can mechanize it, so that we can weaponize it, so that we can... We always want it to be static. If we could somehow like release our grip on that, like God doesn't need any more cosmic, like like he doesn't need any more bouncers. Like God doesn't need, like the tiger doesn't need to be put in a cage. He's already a tiger. Um, he can take care of himself. Um, like if we could like get swept up in this dynamic thing that God is doing, the Jews talk about the text being 72 different faces yeah. of a gym. Like yeah. if you hold a gym up to the light and you just turn it, a different part of the light spectrum shine through it every single time you make the slightest little adjustment. And and the text is that same kind of dynamic. There's not just one pure propositional exegeted statement for every passage. That passage is built to go places. Wow. Like it's built to... Uh, to live and to breathe and and of course it's going to say something in medieval Europe and it's going to say something different in 21st century America and it's going to say something different in 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 some country from South Africa and it's going to say something different in China and it's going to say of course of course of course that's what the Holy Spirit does and if we would let the text master us rather than trying to master the text it would be um but that's just dangerous because then nobody gets to be in charge, which is why we'll never do it. Um, we we will always insist on being in charge, and uh, and um, that was the one thing about the ancient Jewish world. Even Judaism grows to struggle with this eventually in their own evolutionary history. Um, but back in Second Temple Judaism, everybody was a part of the same synagogue. And there was wildly different opinions, wildly different opinions. You didn't go down the street and start a new synagogue. There was no statement of faith on the door of the synagogue. There was just the Torah. That's all you had. You had the Torah, and you all gathered around the Torah, and you heard, like, crazy John (laughs) talk about whatever he thought. And then, like, you know, other crazy Bob in the back and, like, really academic (laughs) Susan and feeler Nancy and... Everybody had this crazy opinion, and there was never like, okay, and now the authority says, yeah. you all just went home. And you all thought about Feeler Nancy wow. and what she shared, and Crazy Bob didn't sound so crazy today, and I wonder what, wonder what, what's, I wonder if there was something there for once. Um, because Torah, because we all gathered around the word, and it was God's word. And we were just God's people, and we were just like in relationship. But as soon as we imperialized it, as soon as we built an institution so that we could spread it and build on it, and you know, well, that changed everything. That changed the power dynamic. I, you know, that's interesting that you would mention. And I know we're we're getting towards the the close, so I want I got to make sure I, you know, try to get all these questions in. If the institution of church wasn't kind of made into, into an institution. Do you think it could have spread the way it did? That is a great question. Um, we we kind of get into that. I hint at some things that I, I'm never quite bold enough to actually say mm. in session five. But I really, 
I really wonder, and I do wonder, I don't know, I don't actually have a conviction, but I went, when the Bible talks about Jesus's return being imminent, and there are these verses about like people that are here, not dying mm-hmm. till they see the kingdom of God. And, and, I, and yes, I think all the things we typically think about those passages are totally legitimate, but there's a, there's definitely a tone and a tenor that Jesus's return is on the doorstep. And I don't think they were wrong. Um, I think Rome, the most powerful empire the world has ever seen, was crumbling under this organic expression of Christianity that was not institutionalized. It simply offered an alternative society, an alternative way to to live, and the most powerful empire of the world was falling underneath it. Um, And and then, and and they were trying to crush it. They were trying to exterminate it. It was the political scapegoat for 250 Mm. years. Like that was the thing that Rome was like, like Domitian, when Vesuvius erupted mm-hmm. and crushed Pompeii and the Roman economy starts to go down after 84 years of uninterrupted economic prosperity. Like, listen, it was pretty hard to announce a gospel when you had 84 <laughs> uninterrupted years of economic prosperity. Romans were like, yeah, we don't need a society. Thank you very much. When Rome starts to go down, and the oracle at Delphi, I think it was at Delphi, but the, one of the Roman oracles told the Roman Senate that the reason that Mount Vesuvius erupted and destroyed Pompeii was because, according to the oracle, they destroyed the temple of the God of Israel. And, Dome- and Domitian started, amongst many emperors, started a massive pro- uh, pogrom to get oh. rid of early Christians. Like, that was his political... And so the politics always wavered. Yeah. They were no different than us. But Christianity was the scapegoat. The reason why Rome is suffering is because of these non-patriot Christians. Wow. They don't believe in Rome. Wow. They don't love Rome. And the Roman gods are upset. And we need to crush. So Christianity was the scapegoat. When that stopped, and, and it try as hard as they would, all it did was make Christianity grow and grow because you were offering people an alternative society and everybody can wow. see empire for what it is. An empire is unsustainable, so eventually you need something that is sustainable. And then we took the sustainable thing, and we made it the unsustainable (laughs) thing. So I do wonder what would have happened at that critical juncture. I I just don't know. I don't know what other kind of endings were possible. I mean, a million of them. But um, I I really think we, when we got the handle into the sword, it didn't take us long to screw that up real quickly. Um. We were always yeah. at the pointy end of the sword, and things went really well. And somebody handed us the handle in, and we said, "We'll use this responsibly." <laughs> and we haven't for wow. eighteen hundred years. You know, this definitely is like giving me goosebumps. Like goosebumps, yeah, that's a, yeah, goosebumps, and kind of just like I need to sit down and just relook at the way I'm living my life as a disciple of Christ. You know, like because if I'm believing what I'm saying. My life has has to start looking different, you know? Um, And obviously we know that though. We know that, but we need to hear it again. You know, where it says, go back to your first love. Um, And uh, when you talk about Christianity offering an alternative to what we see, to empire, because we can look around in our current, you know, our current day and see that this is not sustainable. You know, um, wow, yeah, bro, I, 
I am out of questions because my mind is now wrestling with so many things now. That's the way I work myself out of an interview. It's just... <laughs> yeah. uh, Steven, do you have any other questions for Marty? I mean, I think this, uh, you know, Marty, I, I just I just turned 30, um, and I, I was a self-proclaimed atheist in my very, very, like, foolish uh, high school, early high school ages, and, and now my, my wife and I, um, by nothing more than the grace and power of God, are able to serve in the full-time ministry, which just even saying out loud again is like, why? Uh, and how, how did that happen? Um, but a lot of the things that you're saying as someone who, I mean, my, my parents were missionaries. I, I, I was in, I was in Africa for the first 15 years of my life with my parents on the, on the mission field. So I've, I've been around church structure, like since I was an embryo, like this, this is, this is all, it's, it's all I know, whether I believed in it for, for a period or not, this, this is what you're describing as, as Christian control uh, is is what I I mean up until this conversation just thought that church was you know mm. um, so it is it is very uh, it's very humbling to identify that man like this this attempt that we have have made to to like to own the brand of mm. of of Christianity that was never really meant to be. It's not. I mean, it's. I think it's. It's not. It's not ours. You know. It's. 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 It's trying. Trying to put a, a like a, a signature and, and and ownership stamp on something that that is too big for us to wrap our wrap our our hands around. It does. It does. It does feel like a lot of the way that that not even just Christianity, but even the way that I do ministry is so kind of centered around this, like we just got to help it's it sound it, we say help people but then if you break it down for what it is it's it's very like it's control people mm. um so is i mean i guess like how now uh, you know i think just you know in, in in fairness i don't think it's wise for me to take the the hype of this conversation and then go and tell my wife here here are the changes we're going to make immediately right that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's bad for marriage um, but but how how does one try and and lead within the 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 how it is structure of modern christianity and still and like not not be caught up in the in the we just gotta we just have to be shepherds right i think that, that that's the word that gets used right and and shepherds can try and control the sheep um so how how can somebody lead and not get caught up in the empire stuff that you're talking about well, shepherds is a beautiful term when understood correctly. We like to use shepherds as commanders, um, but shepherds really love their flock. And actually, as part of your answer is to really, uh, really reconsider what our calling is as shep. Like, what does a shepherd do? Gets up every single morning knowing the flock needs water and food, and will spend his time getting the flock what they need. Not the shepherd has no like. I have to move the flock and we have to expand the flock and grow the flock and <laughs> flock growth strategies. Like there's, come, there's come to my flock. cause that's empire building rather than, sure. rather than shepherding and, and the shit and the flock take care of it. But nevertheless, you're absolutely right. Don't, don't like freak out and throw at like deconstruct everything at once and fall into a pit of despair or, 
we need to remind ourselves that, um, I just read this in a book this morning as well. Um, we have to save ourselves from this misconception that this whole thing is solely ours to fix. Um, we're just partners and we're just stewards. Um, so it's not just up to us. It's up to God. And we're, we're coming along for the ride and want to steward what he's given us really well, which means, uh, it's going to take a lot of time and a ton of grace. Like it's been 1800 years. I'm sure eight more weeks ain't gonna, you know, I mean, at the same time, like eight weeks can really destroy somebody's life. So be aware, like you, you've also had, you also have a new set of questions to ask, but ask them with others. Don't ask them on your own. Um, too many pastors will go sit in their study and try to map out the new future. No, no, no. Map it out with the community. Like what? Cause it, cause there's no way to answer it. Your flock and your setting, Harlem. Woo. Like that's going to be a unique, it's not going to be like rural <laughs> Idaho. Um, so what you have to shepherd and the areas of like, okay, we're not going to de- be able to deconstruct all yeah. this. Where should we focus? What, what should, let's just re-examine how we're doing. I like, look for the idolatry, which will also yeah. be super dangerous. Like it'll be tempting to, and maybe, maybe you dip your toes in like some easier places. I don't know. But what we really got to get to is where are the idols? And that's where everybody will start kicking. But okay, let's root out. I mean, if we can take a page out of Israel's, well, let's start by smashing the Asherah poles. Wow. Let's start with that. Let's start by tearing down the Baal altars. Um, and I don't know what those look like in your community. But if you, if you find them with others, now, if you just go after it, yeah. buckle up but if you go after it with a set of elders or a, a you know a, a community of of leaders a, with the whole flock together and identify what those are and pray pray <laughs> pray pray for the spirit of god yeah. it's still a thing like it's still pray that the spirit moves and leads and speaks and and fast if you need to and but without being controlling and manipulative but just as a community go god we have pour out your heart and confession. Go back to some good old time religion, and 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 then and see what God's uh, like. I'm relatively confident if we really seek Him, He'll He'll show up. He says yeah. He shows up when we seek Him. Mm-hmm. We seek Him with all of our heart, and He's going to say that. Wow. Start there. Do that thing first, and uh, and then. But steward is one of my new favorite words. Curiosity, empathy, stewardship. Those are like three of my key words right now in my life. We're not curious enough because um, curiosity is not incentivized. We always act like we've got to have the answers. So let's be more curious. Let's be more empathetic. Let's listen to people. Let's care more. Ooh, here's a fun exercise. I, I, I'm giving <laughs> No, you you're not. <laughs> Li- listen, listen to the people in your community who are the most marginalized, the most hurt, the most. Let them tell you. Um, how the community of God doesn't work for the sake of efficiency and effectiveness. Because we do all kinds of things when we're building the church for efficiency and effectiveness. Well, we don't have time for that person. And I, I remember having a church where one of the people in our congregation had Lyme disease and for years had been in this place. And we had like two or three small groups in the area and the church was always trying to like figure out like kind of like how to deal with them. And I was always so frustrated like, we have two or three small groups. They just take care of this one family. 
all those all those people are going to take care of one family? Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yes. All, if they spent the whole rest of their life giving of themselves to take care of one family, why is that not the kingdom? It wasn't efficient. It wasn't effective. It wasn't a good use of resources. It, but it was... But it was it was love, and there was somebody who had a need. Anyway, yes, don't don't like dismantle everything, but find one thing, and it starts to bleed out. Change a posture, change a conversation, change the questions that are asked, change the priorities, change the values. Easier, all these things like way easier said than done. But yeah, those are, those are. Those are do the right things in the right ways for the right reasons is one of the things we say at Impact. I want to do the right things in the right get any one of those three out of whack and you you wow. probably have Empire driving the driving the truck. We can do the wrong things the right ways for the right reasons. We can do the right things the wrong ways for the right reasons. We can do it all for the wrong reasons. I, you get any one of those things screwed up and we want to do the right things in the right ways for the right reasons. If it takes more time, if it's not efficient, if it's not effective according to our worldly metrics. Doesn't matter. It was the right thing done in the right way, done for the right reason. That and God will show up. God will do. God will use that. Wow. He'll bear the fruit. It was His fruit to bear anyway. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Marty. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Marty, bro. Thank you. <laughs> this has been a this has been a great time, man. And uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. And where can uh, where where can people get in contact, or where where can they check out the Bama podcast? So uh, the sites that people would want to know uh, would be BamaDiscipleship.com, B-E-M-A, Discipleship.com. That'll be everything podcast related. Um, if they need to find me and and anything Marty Solomon related, then go to MartySolomon.com, and uh, they can find my social media, my YouTube channels, all that kind of stuff. If they want to get connected that way. And then uh, Impact's website is just impactcampusministries.com if they want to see the work that we do there. You know, I I normally like to uh, end off by having our guests kind of, you know, leave the the our listeners with some moments of hope. But my goodness, you've done that throughout this entire thing. Like this is, you know, um, this is this is beautiful. Any any parting words for listeners? Um, just not, you know, sometimes I get so prophetic and critical. I feel like I kind of get lost in this, but just a a reminder, this has always Mm. been God's thing. We're just, we're just partners. We're just along for the ride. We are both critical and so significant and beautiful. We are also insignificant and unnecessary. We are completely expendable. Um, and yet God continues to insist that he loves us and invites us into the work. So... Um, hope runs this thing. No matter how much we get wrong, no matter how lost we are, uh, it was it was never really up to us, and it's always been God's world, and He is putting it back together. So that's yeah. I I, I sleep well. I sleep well at night. I, I'm swept up in this thing that God is doing, and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. So I hope we Yo, all are. Marty, thank you so much, man. Taught us to hate. We out peace. When we cry.